for me, sexual attraction, it's like once a set of parameters are there, a light bulb turns on, it's like ready for sex. <laughs> and also when a set of parameters are not there, it either no it either just doesn't turn on or if they were there and then they no longer exist, it can turn off. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your resident queerdo, nonconformist, and trauma-informed coach for folks who are tired of the fucking shoulds and are craving something more. Stick around for all things relationship anarchy, coming out later in life, moving through the mess, and beyond. You ready? Here we go. Hey, 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 welcome to episode 161 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. I hope you're all doing well. Um, We're talking about all things demisexuality today. It was very, very much asked for to have just an episode dedicated to this, and it's something I'm really excited to talk about because it's a part of my own sexuality and understanding of self that I came into about four or five years ago that has really helped me understand myself in a deeper way and why I'm attracted to the people I'm attracted to, why certain things impact my attraction levels, even in long-term relationships and beyond. Um, And it seems like a lot of you are really fascinated by this too. I literally had like 50 of you ask to have this this episode um, done. So yeah, I'm excited to be here. Before we officially dive in, though, I just wanted to say that if you're listening to this in real time and have been wondering where the fuck I am on Instagram, um, my account at my fuck yes life got wrongfully suspended. Um, it's been over a week now. I have been trying to appeal it every single day through the channels I can find, and I have yet to even be contacted <laughs> by them. So I am not sure when um, my account will will come back online. Um, really hopeful that it will, um, because that would be really devastating to lose. Um, so if you're listening to this in real time, or even just not, and, and say it's magically come back, um, two things. One, make sure to follow the podcast um, Instagram, because that is where it will also be sort of used as a backup channel. Um, and it's just at live your fuck yes life all in one word. Um, if you're not already and two, if you are listening to this in real time and my channel, um, is still a wall. And if there's a way for you to appeal or reach out to Instagram and be like, Hey, this was a mistake. Um, the more, gumption, the more likely they are to, to maybe do something about it. Um, so yeah, thanks in advance for all of that. And like I said, um, that's where I'll be over at, um, live your fuck yes life. Um, it's been such a bummer because I'm recording this actually from my favorite place in the world, my, my cottage in Canada. Um, and whenever I'm up here, I always love sharing like a lot of really particular kind of content with you guys revolving, you know, around the lake and journal prompts and all sorts of things like that. And it's in such a bummer to not get to share those things with you. So, um, I'm going to be starting to share a few, I don't know, like little things here and there on my live your fuck yes life account. It won't be quite the same. Um, but yeah, I want you guys to have a little sneak peek into the goods. Cause I know so many of you love getting to see the magic that is this place. Um, okay. 
But without further ado, let's get into it. So, demisexuality is a sexuality type that is technically under the asexuality umbrella, okay? So, I've had a lot of people ask me, okay, well, if I'm under the asexuality umbrella in any way, does that mean that I'm part of the LGBTQ um, umbrella as well? And the answer is yes. LGBTQIA, the A stands for asexual. Um, Because really it's all, being LGBTQIA just means you're anti-normative, right? Um, That your sexuality and the way that you interact with attraction is not the same as a heteronormative experience, um, period, right? Um, And so we're going to get into that. So like I said, it's under the umbrella of asexuality, but what is asexuality? Let's get to the nitty gritty. So I looked up the the official definition and it is considered, like I said, a sexual orientation. And asexuality basically is, according to this definition, the quality or characteristic of experiencing no sexual feelings or desires, Okay. Um, and, and there's some other definitions that, um, say low or absent. And I actually prefer that definition because I've spoken to many asexual people who, who identify purely as asexual, who do still occasionally have interest. Um, it's just really low and much lower than the average person. Um, so yeah, it's all about sexual attraction at the end of the day. Um, and, like anything, there is nuance and there are variabilities, which is why asexual um, and asexuality is the umbrella of which many things are under. So demisexuality or being a demisexual is under the umbrella of asexuality. And the reason it's under this umbrella is because it's also about sexual attraction what does or does not create sexual attraction. And demi folks do not have sexual attraction to people until something. And that's the thing that makes demi different than sort of the average asexual person is that sexual attraction can actually become quite high. That desirable ability and desire for sex can become quite high with a person, but there has to be, um, a set of circumstances and things that occur before that can even begin to turn to happen. I see demisexuality and how I have defined it for myself that has really been helpful is using sort of the visual of a light bulb because for me, sexual attraction, it's like once a set of parameters are there, a light bulb turns on, it's like ready for sex. (laughs) And also when a set of parameters are not there, it either no longer, it either just doesn't turn on or if they were there and then they no longer exist, it can turn off. And this is something I've talked about kind of briefly, um, in some of my content in the past. And I, it got a lot of interest. A lot of people were like, yes, I so see this. So I'm going to talk about more about that in a second, but just to get the official definition into our ether, Demisexuality is a sexual orientation in which an individual does not experience primary sexual attraction, which is defined by this as the type of attraction that is based on immediately observable characteristics such as appearance appearance or smell and is experienced immediately after a first encounter. A demisexual person can only experience secondary sexual attraction 
the type of attraction that occurs after the development of an emotional bond. The amount of time that a demisexual individual needs to know another person before developing sexual attraction towards them varies from person to person. So again, it's a part of the asexuality spectrum. And what I think is so fascinating is that it's really about emotional depth, right? There needs to be a level of emotional depth between a demisexual person and another person in order for that person to be like, I'm in. And what I found in both my dating experience and also in my dating of demi people is that that time frame is going to look different um, from person to person as an individual, as a demisexual individual, but also for me, it has looked very different from person to person that I am dating. Um, some people that I've dated and been on multiple dates with, five, ten dates, I never develop the level of emotional connection and bond that I need in order to feel that attraction. It just doesn't exist. Um, other times... I do develop that emotional bond and still that, that sexual attraction isn't there. Um, and that's when I'm like, oh, this is just a really significant platonic relationship. Um, and that's, that, that piece of it has always felt really complicated for me because I'm like, well, surely if that emotional thing is there and trust and, and all of the things that I think are for me a part of that puzzle, um, and surely I'm going to want to then engage sexually. But it's just so fascinating. And it's also been really challenging in my own process of meeting people because we do live in a time where dating apps is sort of, you know, the way. And while I love dating apps as a way to facilitate the ability to meet people you never would have met, and so many people that are in my life now are people I've met through dating apps that I just like, could not imagine my life without. I also think it is an extremely challenging way for demisexual folks to engage because the reality is, is we don't know <laughs> if we're attracted to somebody based on a set of images and, you know, a, ser a small series of texts. There can be an understanding of, oh, okay, like they are an attractive person to me. Um, they have attractive qualities about them. Oh, there is an expression of these shared values that could mean an interest in, in each other and that there's a connection there and that there could be emotional depth when we have conversations. But the reality is, is you're not actually going to have a beginnings of an inkling if there is any level of true attraction. If and until you you meet them in person and start to engage that way um, or on the phone. Um, and it's actually, that's something I really want to talk about is like my tactic as a demisexual person in dating really changed um, largely because of the pandemic. But I learned a lot about that experience because I was dating a lot of people during 2020 virtually and we weren't able to see each other in person. And I realized that that was so helpful for me as a demisexual person because I was having the opportunity to have through text and, you know, Zoom calls and 
um, voice notes or whatever we were doing to in communication, which often looked like kind of all three of those things. Once I was talking to somebody for long enough, we were having these really deep emotional conversations and, um, getting to know each other on like a cellular level without having the in-person, um, you know, physical proximity, which always in hindsight, like looking back when I was starting dating that way, it always felt very stressful for me because I always felt like there was pressure to know really early on. And I remember after one date, I had not really spoken to this person very much. And we, we went on a park date, like a walk. And at the end she was like, Hey, so did you feel like any chemistry here? Um, and I was, I had two responses. One, I was so appreciative of her directness because I think dating can be just like a nightmare in that space sometimes. And there's a lot of things that can feel misleading or, um, kind of murky in, in the dating experience. And I just so appreciated that she immediately was like, let's talk about it. But what I also found was like, I didn't have an answer that was really clear because I don't have those kind of answers that fast. Like it just, it doesn't, it's not a part of my, my demi DNA. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it was really challenging for me to feel like I could give an actual authentic answer because I think what my real answer would have been if I had been given the opportunity to see her again was like, I don't know. And that's a really valid answer. Um, but like, I don't know. And I would like to like hang out a few more times to like see how and if this progresses. Um, and I think the reason that that sort of dating path didn't work out and hasn't worked out as well for me is really just because I didn't have enough time, time to determine if there was an emotional connection, emotional bond, um, and really it illuminated and made me completely alter my dating path because I was like, why did this work when it came to the pandemic times? And then once like post intense pandemic times and I was meeting up with people sooner, I was like, I actually think that I'm going to give more space in terms of meeting people in person. Um, and some people were really not for that, like that I was talking on dating apps. That was just not the way they liked to roll. And I was like, that's valid. I did find though, that when I expressed why I needed that and why it was important for me, that most people were really willing to continue to communicate, um, you know, with me, um, and get to know me on that level. And because I was also really clear, like, Hey, if I do feel like there's that potential, like I will let you know, and then say like, I'd love to meet in person. And then if I don't, I will also let you know. Um, and so yeah, people, a lot of people who it kind of wasn't their thing, like we're willing to, I don't know, keep talking, um, intentionally via text, um, occasionally do some face, FaceTimes, that kind of thing. Um, before adding the like proximity and thus like the pressure for physicality and that element into the room. Um, yeah, so that has been really enlightening for me. What, uh, what, when I learned about demisexuality, 
so many light bulbs went off. <laughs> Ironic with my analogy of what Demi is to me. But light bulbs went off about like why my attraction, I don't know, patterns have been what they are. Because I was really the person who consistently fell in love with her best friends. And looking back, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of people like weren't really doing the same thing. They didn't really have the same experiences. It was like, no, this is just my best platonic friend. And, and I was like, why is it that I, I am falling for these people? But it's like after I've already built this friendship, right? And I, what I realized is that it's really because I was able to have these really sustainable long-term relationships with people where that emotional depth was so present. And more importantly for me, I trusted them and I knew that there was enough to back that up because of the actions I had seen and the ways that we'd interacted. I knew that they were someone I could trust fully. And in addition to that, I also knew that I felt safe with them and that they would create a space of safety for us if we were to engage in a, in a different way in our relationship. And I did not have this language um, when I was in high school and college and all of that stuff and like finding myself falling over and over and over for my best friends. Um, but now looking back, I can really explicitly be like, these were the factors, right? And when I think about the people that I have developed long or longer term relationships with, um, that needed to click before anything physical existed. Um, and if it didn't exist before even a kiss happened, I found myself really in my head, really questioning things, feeling like, oh, did I make a mistake? But like, I am still pulled here, but I'm not ready for more. And why is that the case? And once I had the understanding that I am demisexual, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. And then I was also able to use that as part of the language and describing myself and helping the people that I was dating understand me in a deeper way. Um, you know, it's presented for me the most, <laughs> um, in the last couple of years in two really big ways. One in my falling for people and creating connections post-divorce and how guarded my heart has been since that experience and also in the ending of my marriage um you know I I talked in last episode more deeply than I ever have publicly about how I'm doing really post my divorce I'll it's episode 160 but, but I can also share it in the show notes with you guys um if you didn't get a chance to listen I highly recommend it um but yeah, I found a big part of, like I said, what I need for my personal flavor of demisexuality in order to be physically sexually attracted to somebody is trust and safety. And once that had been removed, 
in my dynamic. Um, there was no desire for that anymore. It's, it's, it's truly like a, like a light bulb turned off. Um, and I was like, so disgusted at the idea of being physically intimate. Um, and I've had a lot of people when I talk about this light bulb switch going off instead of the on piece, be like, is there a way to repair that? And my answer is, yeah. Like, I think that like anything, trust can be repaired. Um, I think it takes a lot of work, a lot of dedication and a willingness on both parties to be fully in it. And unfortunately, um, as, as willing as I was to participate in that healing and that repair, even though I had not been the one to sever, um, I was not met with that same willingness. And, um, I knew that that attraction was never going to come back as a result of that. Um, because I no longer felt safe. I no longer was safe and I did not trust. Um, right. I, something that I say a lot and have said a lot in the last couple of years is that actions are everything and actions determine, um, trust ability uh, because, you know, people can say a lot of really nice things, but the reality is, is that their actions do not align with their words. They can't be backed up. And this is the tricky thing when it comes to trust in new relationships, right? Is a lot of the time you're going off of someone's words, right? You're talking to them, you're hearing their stories, you're hearing about who they are. And you have to you really take those things at face value until you can see actions that align or don't align with their words, right? And so I also think this is part of why at times, and again, it's relationship by relationship for me, but at times it's taken me a really long time to fully be like, yes, I am in, um, because, I, you know, I didn't see enough actions with, you know, that reflected their words, or maybe I heard what they were saying and found discrepancies in the way that they expressed themselves, in the way that they showed up, whatever. And so anytime something like that would happen, I would find myself moving further away from the light bulb switch being flicked on, right? Now, there are some people that have come into my life where, like, there's a particular relationship I'm thinking of right now where we, we did match on a dating app. And from the moment we matched, um, we knew that there was like something there because values were just so aligned and we were just like really clicking back and forth, back and forth. And this particular person, um, is a cis man. And that usually as of late has put up some walls for me because I have yet to, or had yet to meet, um, a cis man who has no level of toxic masculinity or misogyny. Um, and also who, you know, still practices whether intentionally or not, um, patriarchal and, and is a part of the patriarchal system in a way that like was just not going to fucking work for me. Um, 
And I really knew that if I was ever going to interact with a cis man, um, I was going to need to intentionally touch base with where they were and like have deep conversations about the patriarchy and see what they're what they said right about it all and the, the reality is unless you've done some of the unlearning around that kind of stuff like you're just not going to have much of a leg to stand on when it comes to those things you're going to have more questions and, and and tend to be more defensive and what I found in our conversations with that and, and many and many other things there was just like so much um <laughs> There had clearly been so much work done in unlearning and an acknowledgement that like, yeah, of course I'm going to have some of these things because I am and have been a part of that system for so long, the same way that we all do. Um, but you know, as, as a cis, cis man, he interacted much more in that and got a lot more benefit from the system. Right. And so he was able to speak to that, speak to ways in which like he did not want to things he was working on in the moment, things he wanted to, you know, shift. And we just were able to have these like really tender, um, vulnerable, open and deep conversations. And in a week of talking on the phone every night for a couple of hours, we very quickly developed a really strong bond. And I felt in my bones that this person was a trustworthy human um, was somebody that I did feel safe around and with and would probably likely continue to feel so. And so our physical relationship progressed much faster than other relationships ever have. Um, and that felt completely correct. Like there was no like question mark that I had post having sex that like, was that too fast? Or like, was I out of my body? Or, you know, none of that. It was just like, so fully present and so fully clear. And again, like that in typical terms for me felt very, very fast. Um, so yeah, I also think something that is mis misconstrued in the demisexual realm is that like, you can be demi and then also be someone who's a, who might self-identify as like a mega sexual, someone who likes to and has a lot of sex, or you can be demi and, and not. Um, I personally tend to identify kind of in that route, but it's like I'm demi um, in terms of my initial attraction, right? Which is what demi is all about. But then once the trust is there, once the safety is present and remains, then my desire and sexual attraction is very, very strong and tends to manifest in quite a lot of sex, which might surprise people who don't really know a lot about the spectrum of asexuality, because there's also a misnomer of asexuality that asexual anyone under the asexual umbrella just like does not have sex. And that is not true. Even folks who are like, and self-identify as asexual, many of which still have sex. Um, it's right. Asexuality is not about whether or not we are having sex. It's about the attraction, um, and sexual attraction that we have. And then all of the spectrum of, of things within that, um, sort of determines maybe the frequency or, um, how and which that might go down. So yeah. 
Um, it's wild. And for me, like I said, it really has been such a gift in terms of my self understanding, um, in terms of allowing myself to sort of like shift the typical dating path so that I could facilitate ways to really have that knowing, um, emboldened for myself and not, um, be in situations or circumstances where I might be feeling confused because I don't have enough information on the emotional side, right? Um, and then move in ways that are, are more sort of societally considered normal, um, or common, but it's just not really for me. And then find myself on the other side feeling regretful or looking back and being like, I actually didn't want that or I wasn't ready for that. Right. So it's, it's been a way for me to sort of, um, create some boundaries around my dating experiences and also facilitate conversation with the people I am talking to so that they can have a better understanding around what to expect and how we might, we might or might not interact in the future. Um, which I think can be really helpful because a lot of people still don't know what demisexual means. And more than that, a lot of people don't know how to sort of interact in that way. And I think they can often feel really scared to interact with demisexual folks because, or just have the belief like, oh, well, we're just never going to have sex, which, you know, neither of those things need to be the case. So yeah, if you are a demi, I hope that this has been supportive. Um, and I'm always so curious because I know, again, this presents differently. If you are a dummy, let us know. Um, you can reach out, like I said, to my, uh, the podcast account at live your fuck yes life. Um, and let us know how it presents for you. Um, what it looks like. Um, I'm, I'll probably do like a, a sort of question box and, and give space for that. Um, the day this episode drops. So if you're listening in real time, come on over and let us know. Um, and if you are not Demi, but are someone who is dating someone who's Demi or, um, not, um, have not done that before, but like want to make sure that you have the understanding, like props on you being here and, um, and, uh, bookmark this for future use. Um, and, um, and, and as a way to sort of have like a conversation, like send it to the person you're dating who's Demi and be like, Hey, like, does, what of this resonates with you? What doesn't like, what might you... Um, what are some things I can do to help facilitate your experience as a dummy person? And, um, here are some things that might be helpful for me in terms of like green lighting, any physical stuff, like asking for those kind of things. Um, and that way you're both on the same page and you can really, um, move intentionally through the dating experience instead of sort of both feeling, uh, I don't know, like in the dark around it all. And there you have it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And for everything we talked about, you can scroll down on your show notes or go to amandacathamoy.com slash podcast slash 161. Um, and yeah, um, I am not sure given the fact that my account is still, you know, AWOL. Um, I might take a little bit of a mini um, sabbatical on the pod just because I want to make sure eyes are getting to these episodes. And I know that, um, most people tend to see things from that account and not this one as much. So, um, 
if you don't see an episode in two weeks, that's why. Um, and hopefully we'll be back and up and running before too long. Um, but if you have any requests, um, or are you, if you are a former, um, or current client of mine, um, I am opening up some like pop-up spots, um, for refresh sessions, um, before I come back fully, um, from my acting gig, um, in the fall. So you'll, you should be receiving an email, um, in this week, um, with deets on all of that. Um, and if you are not, um, or did not receive an email, just reach out to me. Um, you can go to my website, my contact page, whatever, um, and go from there. Okay. Oh, I hope you all have a beautiful, beautiful few weeks. I hope you are soaking in the summer as best you can. And, um, until next time I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.